today uh, when uh, Andrew asked, don't we have the best past in the world? I got a little nervous there because that could go either way, couldn't it? <laughs> but I do thank you for your, your warm and friendly cheer. We're continuing in Romans chapter 8. It's life in the spirit. And if there's, if there's anything about the Christian life that you need to know, it's this. You're not alone. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the thing that the Bible tells us that you can depend on beyond a shadow of a doubt is that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell within you. Someone came to me after the service last week when I mentioned that and said, man, that sounds just like magic. And I, you know what I said? I, I, that's a great way to put it. It sounds just like magic, but it's better. Because magic, as you know, is an illusion. But what we're talking about today is rock-solid truth. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within you and working in and through you. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is what happens after this life is done. I want to talk to you about heaven. And I think it's very appropriate considering that I've just uh, hit my 52nd birthday. I'm on the other side of the mountain, as they say. And, uh, uh, you know, here's something that's really cool. Uh, I thought I was turning 53. <laughs> and so I, I gained a whole year. I was so excited. That was my birthday present. So I'm actually turning 52 today. Um, what happens when we die? What's, what's it all about? And what happens while we live on this earth? What, what, can we, what can we trust God for? There was a movie that just came out recently called Noah. Anybody see that yet or hear of it? I have had a lot of people ask me my opinion on this. Pastor Allen, what do you think of it? Is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? Uh, I'll tell you this. It's neither good nor bad. It's Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood is a money-making uh, place. That's what they're interested in. They're interested in making lots and lots of money. Uh, they have taken a dramatic story from the Scripture and taken unbelievable poetic license, literary license, and they produced a movie that looks like some sort of uh, a comic book story. This, this movie, if you don't know it yet, is not meant to teach a theological lesson. Does everybody understand that? Hollywood is not into theology. Hollywood is not a friend of the Bible, not a friend of God, not a friend of the church. But having said all of that, let me just say this. There are some good things that came through that movie. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. There are dozens and dozens of errors so don't anybody look at that movie and think, oh, that, that's the story. There's some people, they didn't even know that that story was in the Bible. So in case you don't know, it's Genesis chapter 6 and, and onward. Here's what they got right. Here's what they really understood. They understand the sinfulness of mankind. I was actually shocked at that. I was shocked at their understanding of it. They were able to capture the sinfulness of humanity in a way that I've rarely seen it captured. They, in that movie, elevate creation to a place that is higher than mankind. In fact, the message that comes through in that movie is that the creation is more important to God than humanity. God created humanity. They, they, they sinned, full of error. 
They don't deserve to live. This is the story that comes through in the Hollywood version of Noah. And so therefore, man needs to be wiped out once and for all. In fact, Noah is sure that God has appointed him to be the one to completely wipe out humanity. Let me just read this passage of scripture from Romans chapter 8, verse, uh, starting at verse 18. And here's what it says. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The creation is groaning under the decay and the destruction that human beings have brought upon this earth. We know this. We hear of, of global warming. We've just come through probably one of the worst winters that I can remember in my years. I've never seen anything like it. And I just heard that Minneapolis got, was at eight inches of snow? And Kenora got more than that. And you think, well, here we are. Happy spring. All this snow. We, we recognize that something is wrong with the earth. We recognize that it's sick. We recognize that it's in decay. And here's what everybody needs to understand. The Bible predicts this. In fact, here's, here's some good news for everybody, at least for those who have put their faith in Christ. Jesus said this. He said that we'll know that the end has come when the world becomes like as in the days of Noah. It's interesting, isn't it, that, well, the first time in my lifetime, Hollywood has come up with a movie called Noah, and Jesus says that at the end of time, it will be as in the days of Noah. Incredible sin, incredible wickedness on the earth. But not just seen in the way that men treat each other, but also in the condition of the earth. Folks, this world as we know it right now, the Bible tells us is passing away. And it's looking forward to a day when Jesus will come and redeem it and set it free from the destruction and the decay be sure of this, however, that as much as God loves his creation, God loves people more than anything else. How many know that today? God loves you. It doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter how you failed God, it doesn't matter what kind of sins or crimes you've committed, the fact of the matter is, is that God loves you. And when Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. There is no footnote there that says it's only for people who are good. It's for all people. God loves his creation. And the writers of, of Noah obviously didn't read on to... Genesis chapter 9, because Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Listen to this. Uh, 
God blessed Noah and his family and said, go and multiply. Now, here's the thing. If God hated mankind so much, why would he say, why would the Bible tell us that God has said to Noah and his family that they're blessed? I'll tell you why. This is a prophetic statement that looks forward to the day when Jesus Christ would come to this earth and redeem us and set us free. You say, what is he setting us free from? Well, that's a good question. Look at this next verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. I read to you 18 to 22. Let's read this one more verse. And Paul says this, and when we, uh, and we believe, uh, let me start again. I'm 52 now, did I tell you? <laughs> and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised to us. So here's what you and I need to understand. You and I need to understand that we are God's beloved. He cares about us. It's not his will that anybody should perish. It's not his will that anyone should go to eternal destruction. God loves us. And so here we are on this earth looking forward to a better place, a place called heaven. I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about heaven. Because for many of us, we think that this world as it is, is heaven. At least we feel it's heaven here in the West. People from third world countries love to come to Canada, to the USA, because they think this is heaven. How many know, if you grew up here, that this is not heaven? It's, it's not heaven. I mean, after the first service, we found out they shut the water off in this building. There's no water in this building. This is not heaven. <laughs> this is typical of life. Full of struggles, full of problems, full of disappointments, but that is minuscule compared to what we experience in our private lives. Paul says we, we also groan. For we long for our bodies to be released from the sin and suffering. Can I just say this to everybody today? We, all of us, experience the effects of sin and suffering. All of us. There is a, a teaching that's been going around now for probably the last... I don't know, 30 years, maybe 40, but really the last 30. And the teaching goes like this, that once you give your heart to Jesus, God's going to make you rich and healthy. You'll never be sick again. You can have a bit of heaven right here on earth. Can I tell you that there is nothing in the New Testament that suggests that? Even though you're going to hear that on TV from the TV preachers, you're going to hear that from some charismatic preachers and some Pentecostal preachers. But Paul tells us that we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Here's what you and I need to understand. This world is not our home. We don't belong here. How many understand that today? You were created as an eternal being, not a temporal being. But those who believe that there is no eternity, that there is no God, that there is no heaven, they think that what they have here is all that there is, and there is no more. And I would declare to you today 
that that is false. It's a lie. What you and I need to understand today is that you and I are eternal beings. We have been created for fellowship with the eternal God. He's called us to be part of his family. That's what we talked about last week. We said he is our Abba Father. Now, if you're part of God's family, then here's what you need to understand. As a, as a member of his eternal family, that means that this world is not our home. In fact, Jesus says this before he leaves this earth. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is what he told his disciples. Why? Why would he go to prepare a place for us? Because Jesus is making it clear this world is not our home. So what you, need, you and I need to recognize is that as people who don't belong here, we need to start thinking in terms of what God wants us to do while we're here. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit within us, what Paul calls a foretaste of future glory. Now, I've seen loved ones suffer in sickness and in death, people who are Christians, I have personally experienced poor health. I have been frustrated by myself making the same mistakes and having the same bad attitudes that I shouldn't have. And I feel myself frustrated and I say, God, where are you? And then I'm reminded of these words of the Apostle Paul, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. No wonder... Paul says that we believers also groan. As much as the world has suffered, the, the creation has suffered, so do we. Many of us are confused. We, you thought that once you became a Christian, you know, things would, you wouldn't be tempted anymore, you wouldn't suffer anymore, you wouldn't fail anymore. You would, maybe that if you became a Christian, you'd be blessed with wealth and riches. You've prayed and you said, God, help me. And it seems as though the heavens are brass, that God's not listening to you. God's not answering your prayers. You've been sick and you wonder, why doesn't God heal me? You need to understand this world is not our home. God is preparing us for a better place. It's called heaven. But we don't talk about heaven here in the West because we've got it so good. Nobody really cares. You don't care until you start struggling a little bit and suffering a little bit. Paul tells us that we do and we will experience suffering. We will experience sin while we're here on this earth. And for this reason, he says, we believers also grow. For we long. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We groan while we wait. But while we wait, the Bible tells us we're not alone. While you're going through the struggle and the temptations and the suffering and the pain that you're going through, you're not going through it alone. God has given us his Holy Spirit to walk with us, to go with us through whatever it is that we're going through. Some of us wonder, is this Christianity thing a hoax? Karl Marx thought that. 
Remember Karl Marx? He said he was the father of communism. We call him the father or one of the fathers of communism. He said that religion is the opium of the people. He essentially said that religion was used to cover up the hurt and the pain of reality and that often the misery was caused by religion itself by causing people to loathe themselves. Self-estrangement, he said, is the unholy forms and that religion is an illusion of happiness. Now, here's the thing, folks. You could easily think that Christianity was an illusion. You could easily think that Christianity is the opium of the people. You could easily come to a wrong conclusion if you're ignoring what the Holy Spirit is saying. You can easily feel that in the midst of the suffering and the problems that you're experiencing in your family, in your marriage, at work, in your own personal heart, you could think that God doesn't exist. But Paul says that God has given us his Holy Spirit as a foretaste of future glory, as a foretaste of what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. Remember, we're not in heaven yet. I have seen many people say, i got to give up on this thing. It doesn't work. And I, my question is, why would you give up? Because I still fall into temptation. I still sin. And my answer is, welcome to the real world. The good news is this, my friends, is you're not alone. God has given us his Holy Spirit to help you through whatever it is that you're going through. But here's, here's what we do wrong. Is it when we have these moments when we feel tempted, when we have these moments when we're suffering, here's what we do. We tend to take life into our own hands. We feel we can, we can deal with it on our own, in our own strength. And the fact is you can't. It's at that moment when you feel tempted, in that moment when you feel that inner struggle, It's in that moment when you're suffering. That's the moment, my friends, when the Holy Spirit is gently tugging at your heart and reminding you that you belong to him. You belong to God. You don't need to deal with the struggle on your own. You don't need to to deal with that temptation on your own. It's in that moment when you cry out to God and say, God, help me. And here's what I know for sure. God will show up with the hosts of heaven. The mighty angels of heaven will show up to be there to help you through whatever it is that you're struggling with. We have the Holy Spirit as a foretaste of future glory, a foretaste of God's presence with us always. I talked to somebody, went for a drive with somebody just on Friday. And I asked him about his faith. He said, well, I don't do anything wrong. I said, that's not the question I asked you. Have you made your peace with God? Do you know you're going to heaven? And he said, well, I I don't do anything bad ever. I said, that's not what I asked you. Well, I I don't commit adultery and I... Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. He gave me a whole list of things that he doesn't do. And then I said, okay, you've told me all the things you don't do. Now my question is, what do you do? He had no idea what I was talking about. 
So I said, let me explain to you what I'm asking you. I'm asking you that if, in fact, you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, how has it affected the way that you live? What do you do differently now? He said, well, I'm not sure. I said, do you, do you love the people in your life? Now, I asked that as kind of a, kind of a, a tricky question because he just finished telling me about how terrible his wife is, what a horrible woman she is. What are you doing differently? And then I went on to explain this to him. I said, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit who helps you to live a life that best reflects Jesus Christ. So now you are loving and caring towards your wife. You're patient with your wife. You're kind to her. You encourage her. You don't tear her down. That came as quite a shock to him. So this is what Christianity is. It's not enough just to go to church on Sunday. It's not just enough to do, go through all the rituals. What you have to do is you have to let the Holy Spirit start working in your life because this, my friends, is a foretaste of future glory. It's a, it's a foretaste of heaven. That's how you know you're going to heaven because you're doing what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. The truth of the matter is, is that the Holy Spirit within us is the one who helps us to understand who God is, who helps us to understand that we belong to him. This morning, let me say this to you. If you're not sure whether you're going to heaven or not, if you're not sure yet whether or not you belong to Christ, then you probably don't. Because once the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, he gives you an assurance that you belong to God. And not only that, you begin to understand who God is. There is so much spiritual ignorance out there. Again, let's refer back to the movie about Noah. He is portrayed as a man who hates himself, who hates all of humanity. He hates his children, and he hates even his wife. Why? Because he sees their sinfulness, and he sees his own sinfulness. Boy, there's, nothing, there's no one more righteous than the one who's indignant about the sins of others but can't see the sin in his own life. It's where we get the expression, those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. But here's Noah. He's ready to kill his own grandchildren in order to wipe out the human race. Now, the, the movie kind of ends with this. It's, it's very depressing, actually. Very hopeless. Because it leaves you believing that God hates humanity. But what you need to know today is that whoever you are, wherever you're at in your life, whatever you have done, however you have sinned, God's love is greater, and he wants to reveal his love to you. All you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and then watch what God will do. Last night at 4.38 a.m., 4.38 a.m. in the morning, I got an email. What a lot of people don't know is that my phone is called a smartphone. It knows how to wake you up at 4.38 in the morning to tell you you have an email. 
I got my email at 4.38 a.m., and it was from somebody that was so excited about some, some news that they had, they had to share it with me. And here's the news. Someone in their life that they love is actually a sibling, a sister. Been praying for her for years. This sister struggled, did things she shouldn't do, looked hopeless. It looked completely and utterly hopeless. But we've been praying for this sister. And the email starts like this. The greatest miracle ever has happened. My sister wants to get to know God. She wants to come to church and get to know Christ. That's at 4.38 a.m. And then he goes on to say, you have no idea how amazed I am right now. Pastor, this is a dream come true. All of my heart had prayed for this. God is good all the time. I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't understand how God does it. But somehow, some way, in the early hours of the morning, God got a hold of that girl's life, penetrated the, the, the darkness, the calloused heart, and, ex- and showed his great love for her, and she gave her heart to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And you know what? For some of you right here, right now, you're experiencing the workings of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You're experiencing right now something stirring within you. I'm going to tell you, that is God at work in you right here, right now. Something supernatural is happening in you right now. Some of you are here this morning and you're feeling overwhelmed by by temptation and by sin and you feel God has rejected you. And I'm telling you here right now, God has not rejected you. He loves you. And he's not finished with you. I'm here to tell you that right now the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. Something supernatural is happening here. And I would say this to you today. If the Holy Spirit is working in you right now and doing something within your heart, don't ignore it. But say yes to God. Say, God... Forgive me of my sin. God, help me to get back on track because I I don't want to miss out on what you've got for me. Now, here's how I know that the Holy Spirit is at work within you. Here's how I know that the Holy Spirit is within you giving you a foretaste of what's to come. That foretaste of what's to come is called heaven. When you gave your heart to Jesus, the weight lifted off your shoulders and you felt totally free. That's the Holy Spirit at work, taking away that burden, that stone-cold guilt. That's the Holy Spirit, friends. You can't explain it. It's a mystery, but it's glorious. It's wonderful. You have been set free. That's a foretaste of heaven. I know that you've been touched by the Holy Spirit if you've been able to forgive people that have hurt you and wronged you and put you down and made you to suffer. Whereas before, you're ready to kill them, but now God has done something special in your heart and you're ready to let it go. You're ready ready to forgive. Only the Holy Spirit can do that in you. Some of you have heard of Corrie Tamboom. She's one of, the, uh, one of the Dutch Christians who was saving Jewish people from the Nazis. 
And for saving Jewish people from the Nazis, she and her family were put in prison. And it was her, it was, it was her sister and her that were in, I, I believe it was Auschwitz. And they were in forced labor, hard labor, for the crime of saving Jews. And while there, her sister contracted an illness. The two of them bitten terribly by bed bugs. She was beaten, abused by the guards. And she finally succumbed to the horrible treatment. And there, in that prison camp, she died and was eventually burned in the ovens to get rid of her remains. But Corey, for some reason, was given a pardon and was allowed to be set free. She doesn't know why. She can't understand it. How is it that one sister suffers and the other one is set free? Why is it that one dies and the other one doesn't? I don't know. But I know this, we live in a world that is dying. We live in a world where you and I are going to experience sin and suffering. One sister dies and the other one is let go. When she was let go from prison, she decided that God wanted her to go and preach the good news of his love to a broken and hurting world. And so there she was in Germany, preaching about God's great love and how God could forgive any sin, could forgive any crime if a person would put their faith in him. And she said as she was, as she was asking people to come forward to accept Christ into their life, to become Christians, she saw the man coming towards her was none other than the prison guard that had so brutally abused her sister. She said in that moment, she felt like she could just reach out and kill him with her bare hands. But she said suddenly she felt the movement, the workings of the Holy Spirit in her heart. And rather than reach out to kill, she reached out to embrace this man and said, Jesus can forgive even you. Corey Tamboom was able to forgive that man who so brutally abused her sister and herself because of the Holy Spirit within her, which is a foretaste of future glory, a foretaste of heaven. Some of you here today, before you became a Christian, you were a self-centered brute, but once you gave your heart to Christ, suddenly you started loving others and started caring for others. This is the Holy Spirit at work within you. Now, the problem with so many of us as Christians is that our Christianity can become so mechanical. But what you and I need to know is that God wants us to experience his presence and his power at work in our lives on a daily basis, moment by moment. I'm talking about the supernaturalness of our faith. God wants to guide you moment by moment by moment. And you know it because you've experienced it. You wanted to do one thing, but the Spirit tapped you on the shoulder and said, no, don't do that. Do this. That's the workings of the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery. I don't get it. 
But I know that it's real, and I know that he's at work within me and in you. A foretaste of what heaven will be like when we commune with God moment by moment. My stepsister, when she was 20, about 20 years old, right around that mark, she developed cancer. And doctors were able to prolong her life for some time. But it, uh, eventually it was, it was clear that barring a miracle, she wasn't going to make it. And we prayed for her. We believed God that he would touch her, but it just wasn't what God wanted. And I'm going to tell you, there's few people in my life that have inspired and encouraged me more than her. Never did I ever hear her curse God or be angry at God. In fact, her attitude was, I want to serve God no matter what. When we opened up her Bible after she passed away, we found just so many indications, so many notations in her Bible that made it clear that she just wanted to serve God no matter what. For those who are hyper, hyper spiritual and hyper charismatic, they would say, no, it's God's will for her to live. And if, God, if she doesn't live, then there must be something wrong with her or our faith. And I want to just say this to anybody here who believes that. You are dead wrong. God is sovereign and in charge. If you're telling me that I have the power of life and death in my hands, then I'm God. And that's not biblical. The Bible tells us clearly that we live in a world where our bodies are subject to sin and suffering. Does God heal? Yes, sometimes he does for his own reason. It's always for his own reason and not for yours. In our Amber's case, God refused to heal her as we wished he would. Her mother, Victoria, who's here this morning, asked her, Amber, are you afraid to die? And she said, not at all. I'm going to tell you this, my friends. The only way that you can be fearless in the face of death is if you have the Holy Spirit within you, a foretaste of future glory. When finally she was coming to her last moment, she was in my dad's arms. She called him Pop. And uh, it was evident that she was starting to breathe her last. Her eyes started to roll back in her head, and my dad tried to resuscitate her, and all she said was, no, Pop, it's okay. It's okay. She's, she had a glimpse of heaven. She was already being ushered into the very presence of our almighty God. And with the attitude of the Apostle Paul who said to live is Christ and to die is gain, it doesn't matter, I'm with God, because we have a foretaste of the future glory. My friends, listen to me today. If you think that your Christianity is all about getting what you can get from God, 
then you couldn't be more dead wrong. Your Christianity is about a relationship with a God who loves you. And until that day when you are ushered into his presence, he gives you his very presence. It's called the Holy Spirit, who is a foretaste of the glory that's to come. We call it heaven. Only the Holy Spirit working within Amber's heart could say, no, don't resuscitate me. I'm going to a better place. Can you say that today? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit in your life such that you're able to say, I have a foretaste of what's to come. This world's not my home. I'm passing through. I want to play a a video clip this morning. The song that was written that that imagines what it would be like in those first few moments when we arrive in heaven. May your heart be touched by it. And then we're going to close in prayer. Just stop me, please. This morning, it's so critical that you understand that if you are, in fact, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have his Holy Spirit. A constant reminder that this world is not your home. A constant reminder of the future glory called heaven. I want to encourage you today to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit within you who will prompt you and show you what to do, prompt you what to say, what not to say. Listen to that voice. Listen to his spirit. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit at work in the hearts of your people. God, this is not a religion. This is a a mysterious and glorious relationship with God. God, we know that someday we are destined for heaven and we're looking forward to that day. Oh God, there's times we groan because of the sin and the suffering around us and because of our own failings and weaknesses. But we know, God, you've given us your spirit as a reminder that this is not all there is. This isn't it. You've called us God to spend eternity with you until that day, until that moment, God, we pray that you give us the grace and the strength to listen to your Holy Spirit and to live according to the promptings of your Spirit, knowing this, that the Holy Spirit only guides us into what is best. And we thank you for that right now, in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Amen. Would you tell the person beside you, make sure you're going to heaven.